0: Welcome to Every Moment Is. This season, we will be listening to Head, Hearts, Habits, written and read by Pastor John Rasmussen. Head, Hearts, Habits, Chapter 1. Chapter 1, the story of the scriptures, getting the story straight. If you were to ask several people at random what the Christian faith is all about, chances are you'd get a variety of answers. Some might see the Christian faith as a list of rules, some helpful, others outdated. Perhaps others would affirm that Christianity is all about being a good person, maybe even just one of the many ways to be good. Some might define Christianity as a set of teachings, while others focus more on a relationship or experience with God. All of these perspectives are somewhat true, but none are completely true. Grasping the basics of the Christian faith begins with hearing the story it tells in the scriptures. You may be acquainted with some Bible stories, say Noah's Ark, David and Goliath, Daniel and the Lions, etc. These are often highlighted in Sunday school or children's Bibles, but often told in isolation from the bigger story to which they belong. The more you hear this bigger story on its own terms, the more you'll realize that we often misinterpret these smaller stories by making them about other stories, our life stories, the story of our nation, or just timeless tales to give us a dose of courage, wisdom, or morality. If we can take off our cultural lenses and hear the Bible on its own terms, we'll see that its story isn't primarily about us. It's first and foremost about God. The Bible is a long story, two testaments, 66 books, 1,189 chapters written by about 40 authors over a period of roughly 1,400 years. Given its length, it's helpful to break it up into four main acts. Doing so helps us understand the smaller parts within the whole. It also guards us against interpreting or using the Bible against the intentions of its primary author, God, and those who wrote it through the inspiration of his Holy Spirit, the prophets, evangelists, and apostles. These four acts are, one, creation, two, fall, three, redemption, four, restoration. Let's explore each of these acts more creation. The universe is not an accident and neither are you. In the opening pages of the Bible, we encounter an all-powerful, loving God who calls all things into existence for his glory. Every atom exists to give him praise. Every blade of grass reflects his goodness. He also created human beings in his image to care for his creation and fulfill his purposes in it. We are the managers of a rich, beautiful world. Furthermore, he created us for a relationship of love with himself and others created in his image. This is the aim for which all things, you and me included, exist. Fall. Regardless of what we believe, we all know that something is wrong with this world. If we're honest, we'll admit that something is wrong with us, too. The Bible does not place any blame on his creation or on us being human. The scriptures teach that both of these are very good. Rather, the scriptures locate our problem in humanity rebelling against God's purposes. This world is a mess of brokenness and betrayal because we have chosen to define good and evil on our own terms rather than live before God in trust and love redemption. The good news of the Bible is that God did not abandon us to our rebellion. Instead, he set in motion a plan to redeem and restore us. This plan begins with God calling a family into existence that will show the world what he is like. This family becomes the nation of Israel, from which comes the one who redeems the plot of the story, Jesus Christ. He is, at the same time, the author of the story, God, and a character in the story, human. Sadly, the people he came to redeem reject and crucify him. But in the most surprising plot twists of all time, God raised him from the dead and used his death and new life to reconcile us to himself. Restoration The work of redemption Jesus accomplished for us is the climax of the story. However, the story is not over yet. In fact, it continues to unfold up to this present moment. Through the Holy Spirit, God is actively at work, calling and gathering to himself people who are reconciled and under his rule through Christ. In other words, God is bringing us back to the good purposes he intended for his creation in the beginning. We experience this now in part, but on the final day when God wraps up history and calls everything to account, we will then experience this in full. Heart, how does the story impact me? The goal of God's story of creation, fall, redemption, and restoration is that you would become a living, active participant in the story. In other words, the purpose of this story is to include you in it Whether you know it or not, to some extent you already participate in this story. God created you, you bear his image, and with that image comes both dignity and responsibility. Just like me and every other human being, you've fallen out of step with God's purposes for you. And so God has sent his son, Jesus Christ, to redeem you and include you in the happy end for which his story is headed. The question is whether you have embraced this invitation to be reconciled and restored to his purposes for you. At the heart of God's story is an invitation for you to let go of your story and get tangled up in his. Two words sum up how we let go of our storyline and embrace his. Both of these are heart words, meaning that they deal with the center of our affections and motivations. These words are repentance and faith. Repentance. In the Old Testament scriptures, that is the story of Israel that looks forward to Christ, to repent means to turn back to God after wandering away or rebelling. In the New Testament, that is the story of Jesus Christ and his work of redemption, to repent means to change one's mind. It means to drop your agenda and pick up God's. Repentance is a deep heart change in which you get real with God and acknowledge that your life story isn't headed in the right direction. You admit that your life was never yours to command in the first place and that God alone has the right to the steering wheel. Repentance is when we experience grief over the ways that we have disregarded God and others for what we perceive to be our own good. In some repentance is much like the language spoken at meetings for recovering addicts. We admit, I am a sinner and I have no ability to recover on my own. I'm powerless over my self-love and self-addiction. Faith. This language of addiction and inability may sound harsh and negative, but it's the beginning of something better. We only give up control of our story so that God can make us characters in a better one, his own. When we trust in God's promise to forgive us and include us in the bright future he has planned for us, this is called faith. Faith is a humble, confident trust that God is who he says he is and that we are who he says we are and that he is in control of our future. Such faith is not just good vibes or positive thinking. It's a relationship of trust rooted in the character of God. Through faith in the saving death and resurrection of Jesus, we also come to trust in God as our Father. By anchoring our trust in his promises, God begins to transform us into happy, hopeful people rather than self-absorbed, fearful ones. Later on in this book, we'll go deeper into the work of Jesus for us, as well as see how we receive and participate in the benefits of his work. For now, my goal is that you would see that the story of God's love for you isn't like a novel or a news article that you can pick up, read, and then move on with your life. Rather, it's the story of all stories, designed to grab your heart and make you a living part of its narrative through repentance and faith. Habits. Living as a character in God's story. Our habits are the expression of what we value the most. They reveal what we believe is worth our time, efforts, and resources. For example, if you love Husker football, as most people do in the congregation I serve, that love will translate into the time spent watching games on Saturdays in the fall. If we have embraced our role in God's story, then how does this heart change translate into our habits? When the love of God impacts our head and our heart, we experience a change in our habits. New ways of thinking and renewed affections lead to new patterns of life. Generally speaking, the habits of the Christian life fall into three categories, worship, growth, and service. There may be other ways of categorizing Christian habits, however, I find these three to be the most useful. Worship. The most basic Christian habit is worship, also known as going to church. In worship, Christians gather with other believers to experience and respond to God's word. God's people have embraced this habit ever since God commanded ancient Israel to gather on the last day of the week, the Sabbath day. Friday sundown to Saturday sundown. Shortly after Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, Christians began meeting on the first day of the week, on Sunday. Often called the Lord's Day, Christians gathered on this day in particular because on it God raised Jesus from the dead. This does not mean that Christians must worship on Sundays. Depending on our circumstances, we are free to gather other days. What's important, however, is that we do gather. In worship, we gather first and foremost to receive God's love rather than show our love for him. Through the public reading of the word or the scriptures, through the sermon, which is a reflection and application of God's word for us now, through the Lord's Supper, also called communion, and the words of blessing, known as the benediction, God pours his love into our hearts and creates trust in his promises. We, in turn, respond to God with trust and love. We confess our faith in the creeds of the church, these public statements of our faith. We offer our prayers and praises and bring our offerings. We also enjoy the company of other Christians lingering after worship to encourage one another. Some professing Christians may treat worship as optional, only participating insofar as it fits their schedules. However, God calls us to treat worship as the most basic habit through which he keeps us in the faith and completes his work in us. I encourage the members of my church to block out worship in their calendars as the cornerstone event around which they plan all the other events and activities of life. Sure, things will come up like emergencies or sickness, but these are typically exceptions rather than the rule. And while work schedules may make worship difficult, especially for nurses, first responders, and other professions that require weekend work, we can also seek out worship services on other days or at the very least join our church online if they provide an audio or a video recording. Grow. Receiving and responding to the love of God is not contained to one hour a week on Sunday. Christians also study the Bible and pray on their own and in smaller groups. In these intimate gatherings, we're able to discuss and wrestle with God's words, pray for each other's specific needs, and encourage one another in the daily challenges that come with following Jesus. Such community growth will likely look different for each person. If we're part of a Christian family, we may adopt the practice of sharing words of scripture and prayers at mealtimes or at the beginning or the end of the day. We may gather for a formal Bible study or a small group at our church. We may have a close group of trusted Christian friends we meet with to receive and provide accountability and encouragement. While a growth in community will likely look different for each of us, time devoted to our relationship with other Christians is an essential habit for our growth. Getting rooted in a community of Christians outside of weekly worship helps us avoid some pitfalls common to the Christian life. For one, it helps guard against a consumer mentality toward worship, in which we get in, we get out, and go home without ever getting to know those with whom we worship. It also protects us from becoming lax, lethargic, and disconnected from God's people. Furthermore, it allows us time to process and pray through what God is doing in our hearts and minds through his word. Finally, we find opportunities to care for the tangible needs of our brothers and sisters in Christ, as well as ways to join fellow Christians in serving our neighborhoods and communities. Serve. Being loved by God leads to loving others. To be served by the humble, forgiving love of Jesus Christ leads us to service. When God's love has broken into our hearts, we begin to adopt the habit of loving those around us. Sometimes this service looks pretty normal. In fact, your service as a Christian may consist of the same things you did before you were a Christian, except that now you have new motivations for serving. Our service to others isn't always flashy. It's the daily work of our callings, often called our vocations. As neighbors, citizens, volunteers, employees, employers, husbands, wives, fathers, mothers, sons, or daughters, we meet the needs of others, not for our own good, but for the good of those who receive our service. By doing so, we take up our roles in God's story of restoring all things. Through moments, both monumental and mundane, God is serving and providing through us, giving dignity to responsibilities many regard as burdens. Our service towards others is not only for the momentary physical well-being of those around us. We also serve with the aim of sharing the hope of Christ with the world. We long for all people to know the love of Christ as we do. Through our words and actions, we proclaim the goodness of God's story in every direction so that more people can experience his love. Connecting Head, Heart, and Habits The Bible is the story of God's creation, our fall into sin, and his plan to redeem and restore us through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Use the following questions to reflect on what you've learned in this chapter and how it applies to your life head? Approximately how many authors contributed to the Bible, and over what span of time? Why do Christians normally worship on Sundays? From what you learned in this chapter, briefly summarize the story of the Bible in your own words. The Bible is a story about How does this summary compare to the one you gave at the end of the introduction? Was it similar or different? From the story of Creation, Fall, Redemption, and Restoration, how do you think a Christian would answer these questions? Who am I? What's my purpose? What's my biggest problem? What's the solution? Now take a few moments to think of other stories our culture tells us about God, human beings, our purpose, problem, and solution. How might those who reject the biblical story answer these questions? Who am I? What's my purpose? What's my biggest problem? What's the solution? Heart. Who has been the most encouraging or influential Christian in your life? Why? Do you desire God to have authority over every aspect of your life or do you have some hesitation? Why or why not? Do you believe that God is trustworthy? Why or why not? Habits On a scale of one to seven, how familiar are you with reading the scriptures? One, I've never read the Bible. Two, seven, I read it daily. Do you have a habit that helps you grow in your faith? If you do, describe your habit and how it helps you grow. If you don't, is there a habit you'd like to explore? Why?